Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of diving into the incredible journey of first-time mother and dedicated doula, Paige. Paige comes from a lineage that celebrates birth as a natural and transformative experience in a woman's life. Growing up surrounded by pregnancy circles and bearing witness to the birth of her siblings, she developed an unwavering trust and faith in the power of physiological birth. As she began her own rite of passage into motherhood, Paige was fearless, knowing that home birth was the only path she would take to welcome her child into the world. However, during her pregnancy, sharing her birth choices unexpectedly brought forth fears projected onto her by others. A surprising twist for someone who had been raised with a strong foundation of normalized, empowering birth experiences. This exposure introduced her to the world of fear-based narratives surrounding childbirth. Join us as Paige shares her birth story, one that was not only positive and powerful, but also offers a unique perspective on childbirth, highlighting the disparities she observed between the birthing experience she witnessed in her mother's birthing space and the one she personally encountered. Enjoy the episode. Paige, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. To start off the episode, could you just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? Uh, So there is myself, Paige, my partner, Ryan, and our 18-month-old, Violet. Uh, We live in Victoria, uh, down on the coast in Anglesey, so just at the start of the Great Ocean Road. So uh, quite a bushy sort of area, quite quiet, coastal town. Um, Not much goes on here, but nice place to live yeah sounds beautiful and was your pregnancy a planned conception with Violet yes she was Mm -hmm. um she was uh conceived 2021 in the middle of pandemic we'd had a few big trips planned overseas and stuff and everything kept getting cancelled and pushed back and more vouchers being given and we just sort of decided we weren't sure how long this was going to go on for and how long to wait to have children because we were waiting till after the trips 
Um, we'd bought a house. We'd done everything else. We were just waiting for the, the holidays to random places. We didn't particularly want to take kids. But, um, yeah, it was just getting put off too much. So we just decided, um, no, nah, that's it. We'll just try for a kid now and see what happens. And um, lucky enough, it happened first cycle um, within maybe a week of deciding that was it. So Amazing. there wasn't much um, waiting around or, or anticipation for it. It just sort of happened, which we were very very lucky for I guess yeah that's amazing yeah so was there anything you did in the lead up to that conception to get your body prepared yeah there was we we because we knew we would like to start trying for kids in the very near future I had already I wasn't on any hormonal birth control or anything I was just tracking my cycle um and I'd seen naturopaths and I was I was pretty healthy lifestyle anyway so there wasn't really anything to change other than just make sure you were feeling good and everything was well and working um and so it was really a matter of just when we decided we were ready to go and I guess it was always that in the back of your mind when you're only tracking your cycles are you not falling pregnant because you can't fall pregnant or are you actually not falling pregnant because you're tracking them right? Because mm. I wasn't probably amazing at tracking them. Um, I, because we were happy to have kids, it was sort of like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But mm. um, we must have been doing it right because first time we tried, it happened and we hadn't yet after quite a few years. So it all fell into place. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And how was your pregnancy with her? Um, pretty pretty cruisy, really. We... um. I I was still working full time when I start when I got pregnant and I left work um I was working in childcare full time so it was fairly busy um but I left work at 12 weeks there was quite a few uh, I'll say illnesses sort of going around the center a few of them I weren't actually immune to and they were worried about me catching them during pregnancy um uh, cuz they can affect fetuses unborn fetuses in that gestation so um in the end, after consulting with quite a few different opinions and doctors and all different things, I decided just to, one doctor in the end said, if you've got the means to take leave and take sick leave, it's probably just your best option so you don't think about it and you don't have to worry about it. So um, in the end, I did leave quite early at 12 weeks and I didn't end up going back just with everything that was going on during the pandemic as well. I sort of just made that decision and we went with it. Um, but it was quite lovely. So sort of we moved, we, we'd spent years in the relationship, not actually living together and just sort of traveling and stuff. So it was nice to sort of spend some time in the house together and um, get to sort of know life, not uh, living with family or not traveling or not working full-time and driving quite a long way to work it was sort of just nice to get to know each other in the house and sort of like soak up pregnancy joy I guess rather than um rushing around with everyday life stuff yeah wow that was a big year for you guys <laughs> moving in together and, well yeah, we, we'd, we'd only yeah we'd been together like quite a few years like I, I think maybe five years or so mm. but um We'd, we'd bought a house not long after getting together, probably a, just over a year into the relationship together. But just work-wise, we were sort of – it just worked that we didn't live together and just saw each other on weekends. Yeah. Um, so we'd bought a house. We didn't even move into it when we bought it. We rented it out for a while, again, because it just didn't suit us to live in it yeah. together yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it's a bit of unconventional, but, like, it worked. And yeah. we, we're still working together now and it all worked out fine. So we had just – 
moved in together, but we'd started renovations as soon as we moved in. So even then we sort of, you know, moved in together and knocked half the house down. <laughs> um, so it wasn't exactly like an easy start to living together, I guess, but, you know, it, we made it work and it all worked out in the end. Yeah, and it makes it interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> Love that story. Okay, so you had a really good pregnancy. What was your perception of birth at that time? Yeah, my perception was birth was probably uh, very positive from um, my family influences. My great-grandmother was, you know, the sort of woman that talked to everyone about birth and um, she would sit around talking how positive and how the different births will affect the children's life and how the personality affects the birth and all that sort of really physiological, like the, the stuff that you sort of don't hear talked about in general society, I guess, which was really nice. And then my um, grandfather was one of the first ones in the birth space, oh, wow. in the labour rooms, in our hospitals and in our town. So, you know, that was another big sort of step. And then my mum had four home but Oh, sorry, she had one hospital birth and then three home births after that, which I also was, the, I'm the oldest. So I saw my three siblings be born at home. Oh, wow. um, so it was sort of like a very long line of women that support sort of women and birth. I guess d- doula work before doulas were a thing. Mm. Um, and mum used to have like pregnancy circles at her house and she'd have all the home birth meetings at her house. And like she was never a midwife or anything, but it was just so involved in our life that it was just such a normal thing to you just give birth like that's just how it is and it's such a positive experience and it wasn't much fear brought into it so it wasn't until I got pregnant and like I'd I'd supported lots of friends through pregnancy and all very positive and friends and family and we'd seen it all it wasn't until I got pregnant and my partner started started getting the comments at work like oh we couldn't have a home birth because our baby would have died or we couldn't have done that because of this or we couldn't do that because of this and it started I started realizing oh my perception of birth is very different to a lot of others perceptions Mm. and that's very positive for me but it's kind of sad for society that they see it as such a scary sort of time and not as joyful as it is like Yeah. So because you've grown up with it being such a normal thing, you'd never really been exposed to the heavy fear-based. No, not it. Well, like I I understood like the system's probably not the greatest for some people. It Mm -hmm. works for some and not for others and home birth works for some and not for others and free birth works for some and not for others. Like we all have different ideas around it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I sort of, I, I grew up, um, we were homeschooled and well, unschooled, I guess it would have been called now, um, and like a very like-minded community. So I just didn't sort of see the other side of birth much. Like, yeah, there was people who needed a bit of help sometimes or, you know, th- there was all those sort of things that happened, but it was still always on a positive spin and it wasn't such a tra- traumatic event usually. It was, yeah, they needed help, but it wasn't so traumatic. It was always informed and decisions were made around it rather than decisions made for them. Um, so I just didn't see that sort of side of things until I, yeah, until I was pregnant and we started getting the outside stories said to me and I started going, oh, okay, I see what everyone else is seeing mm. all the time, but I just hadn't, I had, like, I just didn't, it wasn't part of my life. I'd just never taken it on, which was, yeah, really interesting to hear hear their stories and see them but not have to take them on. 
on and be like, well, that's not going to be my story. So I don't need to, no matter what happens, I don't need it to be a traumatic event. I can make decisions and it will be positive either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was, yeah, it was interesting and interesting for my partner. Cause he's, he's not from my sort of world. He's, you know, grew up normal, normal schooling, normal family, like, mm. or, you know, just average, nothing, no alternative decisions being made. So I guess for him, it was probably a bit more of a leap than me, but he just, he just always said, I trust your decisions. So we'll go with what you would like because you're the one doing it. So that was nice that I always had the support, but um, yeah, very interesting to hear outside stories all the time being pushed in. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> so lucky that you've grown up with that lineage of just, you know, women having such trust in birth. Yeah. Yes, know? definitely. So very, blessed. very lucky. <laughs> yeah. So even though you did have this, you know, very strong belief in birth, was there any other resources you used to help um, further your education? around birth I I did do I think we did uh, like I I've read lots of books before birth before I was pregnant lots of birth during pregnancy lots of podcasts I did it all anyway um I don't think I particularly uh, learned a lot but I did learn how much birth has probably changed to what I saw a home birth with with my mother mm-hmm. having her children and what it is now it's probably right. a lot it's okay. a lot different like at the time she had it it was probably more like a free birth it was just okay. uh, someone would come over and um a midwife would come over there wouldn't be much checking there wouldn't be any ultrasounds there wouldn't be any no dopplers during labor and thing. it was very like unconventional it's just a probably more like the traditional midwife sort of role. Um, And then I sort of went into it and went, oh, midwives now, you know, a lot of them expect an ultrasound and expect a couple of tests and stuff, which most of them I was happy to do. Um, But even during labour, there was a lot more checking and stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Like, Mm. yeah, it was just sort of like, oh, this is very different to what I used to see as a home birth and what I was used to. So it it had changed a lot. Um, And even just around listening to stories and people having to be aware of who they were picking in their birth space Mm. and being very careful about that everyone was on the same page and everyone had the same ideas around birth where I just sort of was like oh you just pick a home birth midwife and you roll with it but I started realizing it's not quite that simple anymore and you have to really make sure it's someone on the same page as you um and that that was another thing that was sort of like I was just so ready just to go with birth and didn't realize there was probably more decisions that needed to be made than just you pick a home birth and go with it um and I guess that's with any decision, like even if you go to hospital or whatever, you, you still need to make sure that that person's going to be on your page no matter what your choices are. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I did go, okay. So I we read the books, listened to the podcast. We did, a, I think it was a calm birth. I More for my partner, I thought, oh, he hasn't been around birth at all. It'd be nice for him to um, sort of do something that's involved with birth, sort of get get him out of his comfort zone and, you know, see around other people. And it was probably good, but it was probably really a waste of my time. I probably should have just sat down and gone through it one-on-one with him myself and talked about our expectations. Um, But, you know, I did it. It's all learning. Yeah, it was was all learning. It was like, oh, well, you know, this is what you do. You go to the birth class. So I did it. Um, But, yeah, I I, I think 
I think it would have been more beneficial just to go over expectations between ourselves. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so cool that you are able to have that perception, like both sides, you know, like you've come from yeah. a long line of women that trust in birth and you've experienced it firsthand, but then to also experience it, like the new age version. Yeah, and it just felt kind of a bit like we'd gone so backwards in a way like yeah. I thought you know we were moving forwards like you know it was more except and I started going oh I think we're actually moving we've got we're moving forward again but we sort of moved backwards and I I just didn't realize that was sort of it happened yeah like I, and I'd been around birth but I hadn't heard the detail stories I guess like you support someone through it but I hadn't heard what was happening behind the scenes with them picking their care providers or those sort of things. I'd just mm. been, oh, well, they're having a baby, I'll support them sort of thing. So it was, yeah, the nitty-gritties I hadn't really um, looked into yet. So that was definitely a big learning curve yeah, for yeah. sure. And I would love to expand on this topic while we're on it because I think it's important for women listening to understand that just because you – choose a private midwife and you're having a home birth doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have this undisturbed physiological birth right like yeah definitely there, yeah, there definitely. are so many more layers to it like you've been saying and getting on the same page is so important and that mm-hmm. literally looks like asking more specific questions so that you get I guess a better understanding of how that particular midwife supports her mothers and what her own beliefs are in birth. Yeah, I guess definitely, definitely. And I, yeah, I didn't realize some of those sort of the those sort of bits, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we we soon learnt that. <laughs> um, not not to any problems I had, but just sort of you know listening to stories and stuff, you start realizing, oh, okay. Yeah, it's not just trusting birth anymore. There's a, if you want, you you can. There's nothing you can just take control of your own care and do it all yourself. But if you want someone else there, you kind of have to be careful who you invite in, I guess. Yeah, totally. So before we move on and jump into your birth story, I would yes. love to get a little bit of insight into what it was like as a young girl to witness your siblings be born into the world because yeah. I feel like that is – it's very rare that I have someone on the show. I think I've only ever had one or maybe two other women on the show that have actually experienced yeah. witnessing their siblings being born. Yeah, and it, it, no, not many people have it at all. And, like, I still remember, like, the feeling of, like, cutting the cord and stuff. Like, I still remember how that felt. Wow. Um, so, like, there's, there's those sort of things. And I was kind of young, but I guess all those memories still imprint on you. Um, and just being so excited, knowing that the labour was happening because mum would tell us and not wanting to go to bed, but they'd tuck us into bed and they'd say, we'll wake you when the baby's coming. And they would. They'd always wake us up and we'd get to go down and actually watch the baby be born. And um, and then it was probably a little bit different, like the grandparents and stuff would get called and they'd come over in the middle of the night and we'd all, you know, sit on the couch and meet the baby sort of thing. Um, so it was such a lovely experience and so calm and never there was never any sort of fear in it. It was always very happy and excitement. Um, and I think being allowed to be involved, like there was no like, oh, we're getting shipped off to someone else or, you know, we've got to go to bed and we're not allowed. No, we were always told, no, you'll get woken up. It's just time to have a rest now and we'll wake you up when the time's come. And we always got woken up and we always got to see it and we were always very involved. And I think that made a huge difference um just in like the way we worked as a family as well because we were all very close and there was never much fighting between us or anything like that we were all very close as siblings and still are so I think that was a really nice start and just never seeing it as a fearful experience and getting to see 
the whole experience as a whole, all the noise, all the smells, all the, the all the like everything that goes on with birth. We got to see it all. It wasn't hidden or a scary or you know, kids will be scared. Don't let them hear or see it. it, it we were yeah, we were allowed to see it all, and it it did make a difference because I just grew up and that was just such a normal experience. We um didn't worry about it or didn't fear it. It was just an exciting thing. I love that. Yeah, definitely. It was a yeah, it was really lovely. Um, mm. So going into birth was kind of the same thing. I um I did I organised for my mum to be there. Um, she was I I I did always leave it open that I said I'd call you if I want you. If I don't want you though, I might not call you. I always left it open. You just never know how you're going to feel. And I guess that's the same with anyone. I was sort of like, well, if I'll call the midwives if I want them. If I don't want them, I'm not going to call them. Um, and that was the same with everyone. But in the end, I did call mum. So she was there for it mm. um, and the midwives. But it was quite a long, drawn-out labour. So, um, yeah, it, it was quite... Did your mum have long labours? Yeah, she did. She okay. had probably very similar um, so it was kind of to be expected and I always joked, I probably manifested it a bit, but I did always joke and say, well, you know, I've done the 17-hour plane rides and, you know, they're torture and you, you survive them and you do an eight-hour work day and if it's not, if it's shorter than eight hours, then come on, I can do it. And I've I've done a lot of um, uh, like ultra marathons and 100K races and, you know, 24-hour races and stuff in Iceland and uh, random things like that. So I guess I wow. always sort of thought – well, if I can do that, yeah. I can do labour. It's fine. Like, yeah. You know, you just got to push through that long. You, you can do anything sort of thing. And it definitely is similar as in, uh, you know, like you just push through and do it. But um, it's very different as in you can't pull out. You can't yeah. you can't um, get out of birth where a race you can just stop any time and be like, well, I've, I've had enough now. Yeah. Where um, birth, you definitely can't. Um, and I... So I do laugh that, you know, I probably manifested that a bit going, oh, yeah, I'll be fine doing a super long one. But, yeah, maybe maybe I should have um, manifested something a bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, so I'd had Braxton Hicks from 20 weeks as well. So I, was, I knew when um, labour started it was actually – some sort of real contraction rather than Braxton Hicks. So I, there was a clear difference in that too. So, you know, there, there was no mistaking it. Yeah. Just quickly, did you have any scans throughout your pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, I ended up having two scans. I had, a, um, I can't remember when it was, it must have been like 13 weeks or something. And that was actually to do with um, checking uh, about the viruses I'd had at work and if they had affected the baby already. I'd planned to only have one quick one, but mm-hmm. in the end we'd sort of talked and decided, oh, well, the plans changed because of circumstances. I was happy to have that one. So I had that one and everything was good um, and then they still want one to check the placenta at um, 20 weeks or whatever it was. So I had one then as well, but we didn't find out the gender um, just the scan to check everything and everything was, I guess, fine. So we just continued and that was it. Um, and I don't think, I don't think I really had any other tests other than that scan off memory. Yeah. Skipped everything else. Um, I I think there might've been a fasting blood test actually. I think I agreed to the fasting, but Yeah. yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't much else. It was all pretty, um, yeah, just standard, 
Pregnant, being pregnant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so back to Braxton Hicks. You were having those? Yeah, so I'd had them for every day, quite a few times a day, depending what I was doing since 20 weeks. So um, that was that was standard. That never changed the whole time. We got to the due date um, and I had – there was probably a couple of weeks there before labour that there was questions of um, who was even going to be at the birth because we were in – Victoria and by this stage COVID had gone a bit wild and everyone had caught it over Christmas and New Year um and the midwives were catching it on and off and I'd I'd sort of said to them like if I catch it while I'm not particularly scared am I able to have anyone here like am I going to tell you I've got COVID do I not tell you I've got COVID like there was all that sort of question if they've got COVID will they even turn up um so I had prepped in those last few weeks that we might be doing it by ourselves anyway, like because I wasn't – I said if I have COVID and the option is I have to go to hospital to get care, I won't be going. I'll be doing it myself. Um, so I had sort of prepped all that that I might be free birthing rather than having a home birth, which I was absolutely fine with, but in the end it all sorted out. But mm-hmm. So that was a last-minute sort of, oh, what are we doing? Is you know, plans plans going to change last minute, but um, it all worked out in the end, which was nice. But um, yeah, it was just that sort of uncertainty, and I guess it happened to so many people. But I I realised that I was in such a lucky position that I was comfortable doing it either way. But so many people were getting shoved in and out of hospitals, and no hospital, and no home birth, and home birth, and no hospital, and it was just a bit all over the place. And I did feel for a lot of people, but I was sort of glad that I'd already made up my mind what I wanted anyway. So that that was that was sort of comforting. Um, but we, yeah, right on. Um, my contractions started um, right on my due date, so that was um, interesting. Because I always prepped to go to 42 weeks. So I was like, oh, well, you just be pregnant for 42 weeks. That's the way to, that's the best way to do it. And then you won't have to worry that you're overdue or anything. Mm. Um, but they started on a Tuesday night. It was must be about 10 o'clock. And they started and they were probably lasting at least a minute. And they were, they were quite close most of the time. They were sort of anywhere from five to 10 minutes. So they were pretty random and irregular. So I went, oh, I don't think this is it. But they'd lasted all night and they went till 5am and I went, oh, okay, well, let's just hope. I hadn't slept at all. I just went, oh, well, I'll hope when the sun comes up, they either keep going, we move into something or they stop and I get a bit of a break. And they stopped for an hour or two. So I went and had a couple hours sleep and then I got up and I went, oh, well, they've stopped now. I'll go out for lunch. So I got in the car and I started driving and they'd started again by this stage. Um, And they were, again, lasting about a minute. I, they were at least, they were all under 10 minutes apart and I went for lunch and I sort of went, oh, these like, they were enough that I had to stop eating and I'd have to breathe through them. But I was sort of like, oh, I'm only with a mum and a friend. Like it doesn't really matter what's happening. I'll just keep going and hopefully I was hoping either being distracted would stop them or if they kept coming it meant it was really labour. And, well, they never really stopped from then on. They just got closer and closer together. And I think by that evening they were only a couple of minutes apart, like three, four minutes and lasting at least a minute. And, you know, I'd have to breathe through them. I couldn't do anything, couldn't concentrate and stuff. But they just never progressed to anything else. Mm. So there was another night without sleep um, and they just kept going and nothing really happened. And I ended up being quite sick overnight and vomiting and stuff. So, you know, people like, oh, oh, well, you know, if you're that far in, you know, if you're vomiting and stuff, you must be like a fair way in. I'm, no, I wasn't. Like you could tell I wasn't 
it wasn't active labor, but it was so close and so frequent that you couldn't do much. You couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't lay down. Like the water didn't make any difference. The shower didn't make any difference. Like they weren't, they were quite strong, but not quite active. And they just kept going. I just was thinking to myself, well, you know, like I can do a couple of nights of this, but how many days before like active labor actually starts and I have to do that as well. Mm. Um, So that was, that happened, that was Wednesday night. I went all of, um, that was Wednesday night. So I'd had contractions Tuesday night, Wednesday night, um, all of Thursday it kept going and I still felt quite sick. Thursday night as well um and in the end we'd called them we'd been speaking to the midwife the midwife ended up coming over Thursday night but still it wasn't active they were still super close together still decent length all that sort of stuff but just not strong enough to do anything so she stayed overnight just to keep an eye on things and got up on the like she got up on the Friday and I said I don't know how long I can do this before like this was going on so this was the third night without sleep I'd just done and we were going into the like the third day and I just said I can't do another night of no sleep and then still have to do active labor like this is just dragging out now I don't don't know how much I can do and I still hadn't really eaten or drank much because I was feeling so sick um and she suggested getting a chiropractor over try that and if that doesn't help maybe get an acupuncture so she was quite helpful um We'd even got homeopathics down and started trying them to kick things along by this stage. She also offered, she said, you can always try like castor oil to try move things along. I said, I don't want to do that. Um, And she was quite happy for me to do anything or do nothing. Um, She was very supportive either way. But I I could sort of tell she was thinking, yeah, we're we're verging into too many days now that I was just getting too tired, full stop. Um, so we got the chiropractor over um, and she came to our house and funny enough that she said, I've got this friend, I think you'll get along with her, she'll come to your house and do it. And I said, yeah, perfect. And she rocked up and she was actually my chiropractor that I'd been seeing through pregnancy anyway. Oh, <laughs> um, so like it, it was nice that we sort of already had a connection and stuff. So she came over, did an adjustment and stuff and whether it helped or not, I'm not sure, but that night at it must have been, I think it was about 11.30 on the Friday night. My waters just spontaneously broke um, and then and then we were on. From then on, they were, it, we were basically, I, I likened what I felt to transition basically straight away. I was sort of a bit backwards. I went through so many days of this long sort of early labour that didn't feel quite strong enough to instantly like a transition feeling they were on top of each other they had lots of double peaks I couldn't think I couldn't see I couldn't do anything um and they would just I just said I can't do this this is ridiculous this I I can't do this forever that was that was my thought pattern I just can't do this this is insane and then that lasted for a couple of hours and then it just eased off um and it was sort of just went back into like a normal what I would see like as transition like tra- contractions. There was a bit of break in between. They were long and hard and strong, but I, I sort of were getting breaks then, and I was like, oh no, I can do this. This is hard, but I can do this. And it was funny enough that it went like that for the next oh maybe six and a half hours at least. Um, and then I started pushing, and that was it. Um, and I didn't feel like I ever got that transition before pushing it. And, and now I've seen quite a few sort of labours that have had long early labour sort of things. I've seen it a few times when they hit 
the sort of more active labour, it's like their transition happens then rather than before pushing. Um, and I don't know how that works um, because I definitely wasn't what they'd consider transition dilation when it happened because I got checked after um, and I was so, yeah, it, it, it was interesting and it was sort of just that real confusion like, I know in my head, and I said at one point, I just can't do this anymore. And the midwife said, I, I think you know what this means. And I th she was saying, like, you're in transition. And I was sort of thinking, yeah, I know that, but, you know, I can't do it. Um, and then <laughs> it, that happened for the, you know, it was a couple of hours and then it sort of slowed down and stopped. And I remember thinking, well, where's the baby then? Because doesn't the baby yeah. come after transition? <laughs> you know, that sort of going through my head and it, it just didn't. And yeah, and it did. It, they never got closer together. They never got longer. They just stayed the same for it must have been about five, six hours. And then, yeah, I started pushing. And I, I reckon I must have felt it coming because I turned to my mum and I'd said, but how do I know when to push? Knowing that I would know when to push. Like that's just, you know, trying to – trying to think in my head, I think, what was going on. Mm. Um, and they said they both looked at her and the midwife looked at each other and they said, oh, you'll know. Like they just sort of giggled and laughed at each other and said, you'll know when to. And I remember thinking, what do you mean I'll know? Like how dare you say that? Um, knowing that I'd seen la multiple labours myself, I knew what they were talking about but still in my head couldn't organise the thoughts. Um, but, but, yeah, it was it was that it was the next contraction after I'd asked that, so I must have felt something change, and it was like instant. I couldn't control it at all. There was there was no breathing through it. There was no nothing. The baby was coming out, and I did push for a while. Maybe it was probably only an hour, which I guess probably isn't that long for compared to some I've seen. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was. I didn't. I. I found the pushing the easiest part of the whole labour. There was no pain. There was no uncomfortable. It was just I didn't even feel like I had to actually push. It was just all done for me, which I felt was really incredible, um, especially the no pain like or the no, no intense feelings. There was the contraction feeling that I had been feeling had completely gone um, and it was just pure, like, I guess, ejection reflex there was yeah there was no um yeah there was no other thought pattern in that at all it was just body doing its thing which yeah is obviously just incredible um and it did it, it you know did its own thing until baby was born I guess mm. um and when you got to that pushing stage um were you mindful to sort of slow down and let your body completely take over because I know a lot of women get to that stage and once bub is crowning you you get that impatience where you're like Ugh, okay I'm gonna push with these surges because I just want baby out you know what I mean yeah um, yeah. yeah no not really no. yeah I I was conscious that I knew it was supposed to well, not supposed to. I do. I was conscious not to try push it too quickly because that can cause tearing. So I was conscious just to let my body do its thing and try not to add to it. Yeah. Um, and I did. I tried not to sort of add too much to it. I just let it do its thing. She did. Um, she did get out past her eyes. So she got to about her nose and actually stopped moving. Like she didn't get any further out. Crowned past her sort of eyes to her nose level and didn't come any further. And, um, like, in between the two pushing contractions, and I did say it seems to be taking a long time. And the midwife said, well, you can give a push if you feel like it. And I tried and just said, no, nah, not pushing. I'm waiting for a contraction. She said, that's fine. Um, 
And she thinks she might have had an occluded hand on her face because um, she had a little mark on her eye and stuff where it looked like a finger could have been when she came out. And the first maybe two or three days, all she did was sleep with her hands by her face. And then looking back at the first ultrasound we got, her hands were by her face. Um, and she said that can slow down the labour a little bit too, which is maybe why it was a little bit irregular at the start and then sort of jumped really quickly and then sort of was a, it, it was a bit all over the place. It wasn't really – it wasn't that sort of standard you watch the labour progress and it gets slowly gets harder and longer and it, it was very all over the place right from the start and I don't think she was posterior because I could feel where she was. I don't think that was it. So we've put it down to maybe there was a few hands getting in the way um, and maybe that just slowed down the pressure on the cervix a bit. And, yeah, it did stop her coming out, her head in one go. And she did, the midwife did say, oh, you don't see that much. Usually once you pass the widest bit, the rest of the head usually kind of comes out. But it didn't. We got past the widest bit and kind of stopped, which kind of was a bit of a dead giveaway. There might have been a hand by a face. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of she came out. She was um, quite uh, floppy, didn't breathe straight away. They did uh, check her heart rate and it was quite low. So they were a bit concerned straight away and they sort of said, you know, talk to her, breathe, to, breathe on her, you know, all that sort of stuff. They were very calm. I was very calm. Nobody was sort of uh, worried. I'm sure the midwives were kind of a bit worried, but they didn't do anything. They just let me sort of rouse her up and she actually came came to really well in the end it was absolutely fine but she did was a little bit stunned um and it was a water birth maybe that can slow things down sometimes but um yeah she was a bit floppy so she did ha- also have um a nuchal cord around her neck and when she came out and I went to lift her up I just said I can't and the midwife realized straight away and untangled her but I just couldn't get her out of the water and I couldn't get myself to get up to get her out of the water to untangle her and I was sort of already holding her and I just I couldn't get any other words out other than I can't and I think she realized straight away oh the cord's wrapped and she's just a bit short and I couldn't get her up um so they just quickly untangled her and she she came around fine in the end so whether it was like a combination of a few things and she was just a bit slow or what the go was. but um, Well, I mean, she's um, just been on her own fine. little journey, right? Yeah. And I sort of look back and go, oh, like, you know, even if it is a couple of minutes, I'm sort of like I only, it took a few minutes for me even to come into my own body exactly. to realise what had just happened. So I sort of think I'm already on this, like I'm already on land and I'm already living and it still took me a few minutes to come around mm. about this little baby who's just, been born into the world of course it's going to take a minute or so for them to sort of wake up so Mm. um it was nice to um see that it didn't probably wasn't the um perfect textbook birth but it all was still fine Mm. and it was all still went well and no there was no interventions it was all still how I wanted like so I think it was that nice of even if it isn't perfect, it doesn't mean it has to be this super traumatic event. Mm. Um, How were you feeling in those moments straight after giving birth, other than exhausted, obviously? <laughs> well, I was during the labour. I just kept complaining how tired I was. And, yeah. of course, I'd had no nights without, like, so many nights without sleep and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I had, um, I did have carpal tunnel over pregnancy. So, like, I couldn't 
rest like do, do my hands and knees and stuff properly because my wrists were getting so sore and things like that so the whole time I was complaining how tired and my arms hurt so much and everything and then of course once the baby's there I spent she was born at eight in the morning and I didn't go to bed till eight that night so mm, um I guess all those hormones yeah and the high yeah. <laughs> I was absolutely fine then after a piece <laughs> of toast and a cup of tea I was um perfect ready to go yeah nothing quite like that oxytocin high right no 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 not at all I sort of went well, what I was complaining about like <laughs> not that tired yeah. <laughs> which was funny but um yeah, it, yeah and what about birthing your placenta how was that yeah um it did it wasn't quick I think they let it go till about an hour and then they sort of said which we'd already talked about she said oh you know I usually let it go to about an hour and then we'd like to see something happening um and they did they let me go to about an hour and then they um said oh do we try do you want to try get the placenta out I said yeah, yeah I'm happy with that um, and we tried standing up and we tried pushing and we tried on the toilet. We tried lots of different things. And I I don't know whether it's because I hadn't actually pushed anything out yet. My body had pushed her out and um, I hadn't actually physically felt like I needed to push. So pushing the placenta out felt like I had to push and I just didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. Mm. Um, and I hadn't had any... I hadn't had any like contractions or anything after she was born. That was it. Once she was born, I hadn't felt another thing. And she'd been, you know, she she hadn't really breastfed yet, but she'd been, you know, nuzzling at the boob and at the nipple and stuff. But I hadn't, I hadn't felt anything. And I sort of was, I, you know, wasn't, I wasn't too uh, um, worried, and neither were they, because there wasn't lots of bleeding or anything. Um, but in the end, I was sitting on the toilet, and I said, "Do you want to try on the toilet?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll try there." Um, I just couldn't do anything. I was like, I don't feel anything. I don't even know. Like, I, I'm not really sure what's going on. She said, do you want me to check if it's just there? Sometimes it's just sitting there in the opening um, and we can just flick it out. And in the end, it had just been, it obviously detached and moved down and it was just sitting in like the vaginal opening, but I hadn't actually pushed it out or done anything. So it was just sitting there. So in, she, in the end, she goes, do you want me to just get the underneath, like on the corner of it and flick it out? said yes please because I've been sitting here pushing and I can't get it out yeah. um and I don't know what I'm doing so in the end it just been sitting there she just flicked it out so yeah I guess I didn't have um any of the oxytocin like I didn't have any synthetic oxytocin or yeah any of that no mm. injections or anything um yeah so that was yeah that was pretty non-eventful and did you do anything special with it uh we planted it um in a pot with a tree yeah Beautiful. I did I did was open to um eating some raw if I felt like I needed it but I sort of had her and I was like I don't I put it in the freezer in case I changed my mind um but I didn't feel like I ever wanted it so I was like oh well we'll just plant it yeah. um and yeah we're happy with that decision in the end so um we planted it with um a blueberry tree so we'll see we'll see if we we're still yet to get blueberries I think the birds ate them last time so <laughs> we'll we'll see if we get any this year yeah that'd be nice and you are now also supporting women officially in the birth space as a doula correct yes yeah I'd been supporting lots of people before I had my daughter but not as a professional doula, I guess, or as, as like a career. And I was working full-time at the time, so, you know, it's sort of one thing over the other. It was more just family and friends. But um, after having her and having some spare time and not being at work, um, yeah, I decided maybe switch careers and do it as a proper job rather than just as a um, 
just as a side thing when I had time, um, which has been nice. Um, being able to support other women. It sounds like Definitely. you were born to do this kind of work though, right? Well, yeah, and, and my mum is too. Yeah. Yeah, my mum's always done it as well and it's sort of like just such a, I guess we, we've we always done it but more as, I guess, more like what you would have done in the past when you just supported supported each other to give birth. Um, before doulas were doulas, I guess. Yeah. You know, that sort of, we more did it that way but I guess as time's moved on, I've gone, oh, well, if I'm already doing it, I may as well do it properly and I don't particularly want to go back to um, full-time childcare work because having my own child and then working in childcare is not something I want to do and my daughter's not in childcare either. So it's sort of like sort of as hard as on-call work is, it sort of works a lot better than being on a regular schedule at work so it just it works for us so yeah um amazing yeah that yeah we have been doing that yeah so looking at your birth experience which was extremely positive but is there anything that you would do differently next time like yeah would you still get your midwife uh or? probably not honestly no. i okay. i I've, after experiencing it and even looking back now if i'd known home births and i had been to home births but i guess mine was a little bit more hands-on being so long and there was a few there was a there was definitely a few questionable moments um and i nothing against the midwives they were doing exactly what they probably needed to do and they they did everything exactly how i would have been happy for them to do it but um, the 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 home birth side scene were a little bit less hands on, and I guess it was probably um, a bit of a more of a shock having mine and seeing a little bit different side. And if I'd gone back again, I probably would have just said, "No, don't worry about it. I'll just have my mum." Mm. Um, but you live and you learn. I, it was just the way that she. I, I I sort of believe that every baby chooses their way into this world so um that was the way she wanted to be born and that was who she wanted there so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing um but I definitely don't know if I would choose to have midwives again and just around like some of the the things they require like they do a lot of them around us do require um a 20-week scan and that's their choice to practice that's totally up to them but um I'm not sure if I would want another scan, um, any ultrasounds next time as well. Like there's just a few things that I would probably choose a little bit differently mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you just can't get midwives if you don't choose those things in this area. So, look, unless things drastically change, but I'm pretty comfortable doing it myself and I do have my mum as support, which is Again, it's not really, I don't believe it's really doing it by myself. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't feel like it's probably, yeah, be what we choose next time. But um, yeah. you never know. You just never know. <laughs> I could change my mind. But, yeah, at this stage, no, I'm comfortable choosing ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was it like to have your mama present at your birth? Oh, good. Yeah. No, yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure how I'd feel about that, like, of course, like I've seen her give birth and stuff, but I wasn't sure. Like you just never know. It's such a like a sort of it's such a different thing that you'll never know how you feel until you're in the moment. And yeah. I wasn't sure will I want to call her or not. Um, and yeah, as soon as as soon as I hit that active labour and my waters broke, I was like, "Call mum!" <laughs> so 
Um, There was no questioning that. I definitely wanted her there. And I think it was really, we're quite close. So it was nice that she knew, she just knew me. Um, And at one stage I said, I just want to know how long it is. And she goes, I can't tell you how long it is. It's not a race. I can't tell you how many Ks are left. And it was just sort of those little comments that are very like personal. They're, They're not, no one else is going to tell me something like that because they, they haven't run a race with me. They don't. So it's, all those sort of little things just over your life, you build up those sort of um, relationships and those little things in common and stuff. Um, And I think that was really lovely to have that really personal support rather than just, uh, well, you can get support from lots of different women. It was just that really personal support. And And I think I've seen a lot of mothers in the birth space and though they support their daughters and stuff they're still a little bit fearful of birth from their own experiences and they sometimes can bring that into the space where mum's so trusting of birth that it's just so nice to have someone that trusts you and trusts birth and is able to support you fully without bringing in the fear as well Mm. um, which was really lovely yeah so special yeah so to wrap up today's episode, what would be your key pieces of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? Um, I would say just be careful about what stories you're taking in. Like we get a lot of stories about um, birth and labour and motherhood and all these different things these days from all different people and some of them are quite fearful around birth um, and it, their stories don't have to be yours, even family members and stuff, just because your cousin or your auntie or your mother had a certain type of birth, it doesn't mean yours is going to be the same and you can rewrite those stories. Mm. And I guess the same goes for even your pregnancy care. Like just because someone else is handing over their care to an outside authority doesn't mean you need to and you can be your own care and you can like nobody's going to know you and your body and your baby better than yourself Um, and while you can have those outside opinions and outside help it doesn't mean you have to hand everything over to them Um, and yeah just just be just be aware of what other people are saying does impact your choices regardless if you believe them or not um and yeah definitely the stories uh, that we're told do make a difference and we need to rewrite some of these stories Mm. for your own children as well not just for you for your children that you're having and bringing into these world because we can't continue down the same path we've been going Mm. forever yeah great advice well thank you so much for coming on the show today Paige and sharing your beautiful story with us no thank you for having me and sharing my story That brings us to the end of today's episode. Another truly beautiful birth story for you all to feel inspired by. I really loved Paige's thoughtful reflections and comparisons between her own upbringing, which is deeply rooted in celebrating the miracle of birth, and her own personal journey, which is undoubtedly a positive and powerful experience. But she gained a profound appreciation for the sanctity of the birthing environment that she had always known. This experience underscored the crucial importance of alignment and harmony when inviting others into your personal space. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you love PBA, we would be forever grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review or subscribe on your podcast platform. This feedback helps us to reach more women who need it and continue to bring you inspiring stories each week. 
Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We will be back next week with another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth.